we're going to be sharing a little bit today. We actually do kind of have a, a message that we're going to tag team together. So you do have some notes. If you've got some notes, wave them at me just so I can see that you got them. Oh, good. All right. Yeah, when we get, we get our preach on, go ahead. You can just wave them. But uh, we, before we do that, we're gonna, before we share kind of uh, the message that we feel like we really want to talk about, uh, we wanted to do a little Q&A, and so we kind of put it out there for you to submit questions that you had, and uh, we thought we would go ahead and kind of get those out on the front end and talk about some of those. And so if you want to take some notes with that, they're not in your notes, but you can. Um, but we're going to hit, most of these probably have to do with dating more than anything because of the fact that our message is more geared towards married couples. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll take a stab at it. So let's throw up the first question. First question is, why did you marry me? No, okay, that's not the first question. Um, but you can answer. Quick answer. You're a, really cute. No. Oh, good answer. Um, all right, so first question. What would you say to a Christian who longs to be married, is tired of being single, but there's no prospects? Ooh, what would you say to a Christian who longs to be married, is tired of being single, but there are no prospects? Well, let's do this. If you're single in here, raise your hand. There you go. <laughs> Keep them up. Keep them up. Look take, around. Take notice. Look take around. Notice. No, I'm so awkward. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, you know, uh, first off, I, I think the fact that you want to be married, whoever you are, we, we go listen to week one. We talked about wanting to be married is a good thing. And every married person said, and God desires that. God desires for you to be married, and, and your desire to be married is not wrong in any regards. I think wanting to be married is a godly thing, and uh, my, my favorite scripture, one of my favorites is, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Thang, not a thing, a thang. And so uh, I, I think having a wife or having a husband is incredibly godly. I think that's the first thing that's really good. Um, my, my other encouragement, though, would be in this process, because of, I think I've counseled enough people now to see, especially for girls, and let me say this, and maybe you can speak to this, babe, but don't settle. Amen. Don't settle. Most girls get to a point where their desperation and loneliness is such at a high level that they end up settling for any person that comes by. And so what they end up doing is they end up marrying somebody, and then that marriage ends up becoming a husband that they're constantly trying to fix because they ended up just marrying whoever came by. And so I think my, my greatest thing, encouragement, would be to not settle in that place and, and to really trust God that he will bring someone uh, your way. Whether Because I'm going to tell you, there's nothing worse than being married and miserable. So why not just be lonely and single for a little while and wait it out than to be married and miserable and, and, and try to fix your husband in that process and then... You got anything to add to that? Yeah, I know it could be, it could be easy for me to say this because I am married, but to a single woman, like, to say, to enjoy that season. Because um, what I do know is when you're married, and it's great things, but you, have, you now have a responsibility to a husband, and then when you start having children, you have that. So um, a season will look very, very differently, and there are so many things you can do while you're single that you can't do while you're married. So to not just Amen. always look to the future of um, the, what you're wanting and live in that, but to live in the moment and um, let God work in you and do things and that your time won't allow when you're married. And so. I think that's dive into, my, my greatest encouragement is dive into ministry. You know, guys in here that are single, you want a wife, go serve in OSC Kids. You'll find one. You'll find one. 
I promise, dive into ministry, dive into pursuing Jesus, and I believe when you do that, you'll find, you'll find somebody. Let's move on to question number two. Question number two is, is it okay to have sex if you're engaged? No. Question number three, no. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know, do I need to elaborate on this one? Uh, let me say this. I can give you an, an unbelievably long list of people who are engaged that are not married. So, I think God's design of us finding somebody waiting for that person, the two waiting uh, to solidify that marriage sexually in marriage is one of the greatest ways. And, and, and let me just say this, God does not desire to keep something from you. His greatest desire is to give you his best. And there's nothing greater than, than, than waiting. I, that was the one thing that I I'm very grateful before by the grace of God that Lindsay and I both, that she waited for me and that I waited for her. And that was only by the grace of God that that was able to do that. But wait, get married, then celebrate, and then celebrate, and then celebrate, (laughs) and then just keep on celebrating. Uh, So, no, it's wrong. All right, question number three. Um, how do you make a woman feel loved and beautiful when she doesn't feel beautiful or love her, love her self-image? Um, I can take some, the beginning of this one. Um, if you remember in Song of Solomon, he, um, he spoke to her. He didn't just say, you know, just about her physical, that she was beautiful, but he looked into her eyes and spoke to her soul and um, encouraged her. And she was, I don't know if you remember, she was uh, scared at first. Uh, not ashamed would be the right word. Insecure. Insecure. And so he continued to, to do that to her, and she um, eventually, remember she said, like, I'm a lily of the valley. So she went from saying however, whatever the word was that she was about herself to saying she was beautiful. And so I would say just uh, as, to, as a husband, to just keep speaking those things to your wife over and over and over, even if it's over and over, but that um, encourage her um, in her walk with the Lord and mm. just finding her value in Christ because that's where her, her true value is found in him and not anything else. And so um, just in the fact that he loves her for who she is and, and nothing else. Ephesians, I was just <clears throat> thinking about this. Ephesians 5, this is, this is Paul speaking of the men as husbands. He says, uh, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. <clears throat> and it's this idea that the words that we speak over our wives, they actually begin to live out. I don't know if you've ever noticed any women that have been emotionally and verbally berated. You can, you can tell. You can tell because they, they feel that way. There's a, a sense of feeling because of as much beratement that they've gotten, maybe from people, maybe from a spouse, maybe from a boyfriend, whatever it is. But as men, as men of God, and I, I'm going to say this across the board, even for single men, not just for married men, we should always be esteeming women and speaking highly of them. We should always be encouraging them in their gifts, encouraging them. And, and, and for men, you know, we're not the best with words at times. Um, but I think we've got to get better at it. I think we've got to get better at it. I think we've got, to, we've got to be men who are constantly speaking value. Because isn't that what Jesus does for us? Doesn't he keep speaking value into us? You're holy. And you're like, no, I'm not. <laughs> you're like, you're a saint. I don't feel like one. You know, he's always speaking. This is what Jesus does to us. He speaks this over us. And so that's, 
think that's one of the ways that we do it is we, we speak it and we show it. We definitely show it as well. Um, question number four. What do I do if I feel I've met my future husband, but he's currently an immature Christian boy? Oh, you want to take that one? I'll take sure. it. Sure, no. I got uh, a lot to say. <laughs> I guess I'll start and you can finish again. Uh, I guess the question to ask um, is, are they growing? Are they just still in the same place, you know, a few weeks, months down the road? Um, are they growing in their faith? Are they pursuing Jesus? Are they pursuing you in the right way? And are they, are they being accountable? And if not, uh, so if you could answer. Uh, Eject. No to those. Yeah, it'd be great to get out of that. Because not just does he go to church. Oh, he comes to church with me every Sunday. We all know that that's not a marker of um, someone who's pursuing Christ. Is he doing it himself? Because if he yeah. can't lead himself, he won't be able to lead you. Preach! You need to write that down. That's some good stuff right there. If he can't lead himself, he can't lead you. That was good stuff. I'll, I'll preach for you, babe. That's some good stuff. That's some good stuff. Uh, number five. Let's go to number five. <clears throat> this is the last one. And then we'll get into some other things. Is it wrong to live with someone if we know we're going to get married? Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me say this. Um, because I think we're so quick to say yes because we think that it's in the Bible. But the, the truth is the Bible doesn't say anything about do not cohabitate. It doesn't say that. Um, so I, but I, I would say this. When, if you're living with somebody and you're not married, it's going to be really hard not to sin. And the guy who comes to me and says, we don't have sex. Well, then we need to talk about some other stuff that's going on. I think there's some other problems because the truth is I don't, we're not pulling no threes company here, okay? So um, I think it's wrong in regards of what it shows people. I think it's wrong in the fact that it leads, it's going to, there's just no way. If you're honest, there's no way you can, be, you can be living with a woman that you find absolutely beautiful because you're going to be marrying her and to not be taking it to the level where God says, don't take it there until you're married. I just, so I'm going to say this. I think it's not wise. If you're living with somebody, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to say that it's sin because if, you're, if you happen to not be in a sexual relationship, then I'd say, okay, maybe so, but I'm going to say it's extremely not wise because I'm just going to, uh, this is what I'm going to say more than anything. You're going to set yourself up to fail. That's what you're going to do. You're going to set yourself up to fail. So I would be very, very careful with that. And, and some people say, well, you know, I mean, you got to test drive. You got to test drive this thing. But you don't see anywhere in scripture where God says you have to test drive this thing. You don't have to test drive. I promise you. You will figure it out. God will work through that and you will learn. And there's ways, to, there's ways to get to know somebody without having to live with them. Because maybe once you live with them, you figure out, I don't want to live with them. So, but I, I think God is, is very much against us doing that. Even though I probably, if we're, we were to do a tally in this room, I think probably many of, many of you did. And, and look back at it. And, and maybe you are married now. But I, I, think it's, I think it's unwise more than anything. I think it's unwise. You got anything to say on that?
Okay, no. All right. Okay. Uh, but let me say this. If you want to get married, I'll do it this afternoon. <laughs> no lie. We'll throw down right here, and we'll, we'll, make, it, we'll make it right. We'll do that. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit. Uh, let's, let's get your notes out. Let, let's talk a little bit about, um, about what we want to we really want to share today, and, and thank you. First off, thank you all so much for the questions. Um, let, me, let me say this before we do move on. If you have any other questions, send it to us. We'd love to answer those. I'd love to continue to keep answering questions, um, but let's, let's talk a little bit about what we've came here to do. So let's pray before we do anything, and then let's dive into the Word today. Father, we love you, and God, we, we set our affections on you this morning. God, my prayer this morning is that you would strengthen marriages, you would heal marriages, you would encourage marriages, you would point us to you. God, for those that are here that are single, and maybe they have a bad taste of marriage, maybe, maybe some failed marriages, maybe there's been abuse, but God, you, you know what each person needs in here, and that's the great thing. That, God, you can minister to every person in this room and give them exactly what they need. So, so, Father, I pray that you would rightly divide your word for each person here and that we would leave changed and more in love with Jesus than we walked in here. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. This past year, Lindsay and I bought our first house, or not our first house, our second house. Um, we were in a really small house, and we got a much bigger house <clears throat> thankfully, by God's grace. And um, we, in this house, I was so excited because in this house, it had a fireplace. Not only one fireplace, two fireplaces. Two fireplaces in this house. There's one in our bedroom. Yeah. And um, <laughs> we'll make it so awkward. And so there's one, there's one in our living room. And, uh, and I, am, I am a bit of a pyromaniac. I don't know if there's any other men maybe that are in here. Like I love setting things on fire. I absolutely love it. I, I, love, uh, I love going outside. We have a bunch of land now. And so the first thing that I did when we, when we got to the house was we, we just started burning things, you burning limbs. You in the city, though, when we lived. Yeah, we lived, when we lived in the city limits, I was burning things um, in a fire pit. Fire pit. Fire pit. And, uh, and so I just, I love fires. I love making them. And, and our fire at our, our fireplace at our house is not like, it's not like the easy ones that maybe some of you have, like you just turn on the gas and light it. No, 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 no. This one is, I got to get wood. I got to go, you know what I mean? I got to kindle it. I got to breathe on it. You know, it's, it takes some work. It takes some work. And, and I, I love doing fires. I, I've always loved as a kid making fires. And so I love being in a house now that has a fireplace. And, and, and one of the things about in a fireplace like ours is it takes a lot of work to do it. Not only does it take a lot of work to go and actually get the wood, chop the wood. Man, I got, I got like an axe. I mean, I'm going like, I was growing the beard. I mean, I was going flannel, you know, I'm going all out. And one of the things, though, is it, it takes a lot of work to get it started. I had to learn tricks on how to actually get it started. My first fires were terrible, and I was smoking the house, and it was like coughing, and it was bad. And I got, oh, you got to open the flute. Okay, sorry. And so I never had a fireplace. And so, so luckily, the fire department didn't get called. Lindsay's having migraines. Anyways, okay, I'm getting better, I'm getting better. And so... <clears throat> But the thing that you learn about having a fire like that is not only does it take work to do all that, but you, you have to keep putting wood on it to keep the fire going. 
Much like our marriages, there's a kindling in our marriages where we begin to have this fire inside of us towards this loved one, towards this person. We get married and we did all of this work putting wood on this relationship and it's blazing. And then we get married and years go down the line and we forget, oh, I have to put more wood on. And so the title of today's message is Logs on Fire, Logs on the Fire. And we're going to talk about how do you kindle the, the fire in your marriage to keep it lasting for the long haul. See, here's the problem with society. Society puts so much pressure on the first day. I mean, all the girls are dreaming of it. Girls are dreaming about that wedding day. They're, you spend all your money on the wedding day. You put all your attention on the wedding day. But let me just say this. God doesn't care as much about the first day as he does the last day. The last day is more important than the first day. And so as we are going to talk about this, we're going to look at what does it look like for us to put logs on the fire. Because it's amazing how couples start out so on fire for each other. They get married and then years down the road, the only way they'll talk to each other is through an attorney. How do we get there? How do we get that this was the most amazing man on the planet to don't talk to me? How do you get there? And how do we stay away from there? Because I think in marriage, what starts out as one of the most passionate, pleasing things, I think for many people has brought the most pain. And what has started out as something that has promised great intimacy has brought a lot of people isolation. And so I want us to talk practically, and Lindsay and I are going to share practically, and you'll, you'll, you're going to learn from our mistakes. And we're 12 years into marriage, so I have outlasted 97% of Hollywood marriages. We are. We're a success, baby. All right. Um, and so let's talk about logs on the fire. Let's, let's, let's go there. So if you're taking notes, write this one down. If we want to put logs on the fire of our marriage, no matter where our marriage is, this is something that we can put down on our marriage. And the first one is encourage strengths. We want to encourage strengths. Turn to Song of Solomon's chapter, Song of Solomon chapter 7, and it says this. You should have it in your notes. It says, how beautiful, this is Solomon speaking of his wife. He's married now, and this is what he says. How beautiful are your feet in sandals. Oh, that's cool. Okay. <laughs> oh, noble daughter, your rounded thighs are like jewels, the work of a master hand. Your navel is rounded bowl that never lacks mixed wine. Your... <laughs> We're getting somewhere now. <laughs> Your belly is a heap of wheat encircled with lilies. Lindsay told me to never say that. <laughs> and I encourage every man in here, do never. Single men, don't, don't try to use that pickup line. See, every other time Solomon, when we, y'all remember when, when the beginning chapters of Solomon, when he was speaking of his wife, where did he start? Start top down, right? He was starting at the top. Your eyes, your hair, your neck is like the Tower of David. Okay, all this cool stuff. Um, so he started top down. But here we are, we're married, and he doesn't start top down anymore. Now he just like goes right on in, you know? And he's talking about her thighs, your rounded thighs, and your, your navel is like wine. I get drunk on your navel. I don't know what that is. But here's, here's, here's the point that I want to bring. No one knew what the queen's thighs looked like except the king. No one knew what her navel looked like except the king. And as, as, as married couples, 
There are the, the, the intimate parts of our spouse that no one else sees except for us. Now, let me even say this. On a, on, outside of physical level, as a spouse, you get to see the real, the raw, and the ugly of your spouse, right? You see their strengths. You see their weaknesses. You see their successes. You see their failures. They can come to church and put on the mask, but you get home, and you're like, I know you. I know you. You know what I mean? We know each other. And one of the ways that we put logs on the fire is we are men who encourage strengths. We speak strength into our wives. We are romancers. We're men that are always kindling. And one of the things that we have a problem as men, and I'll just get real practical, is a lot of times for us as men, the only time we romance is in three holidays, birthdays, anniversaries, and valentines. And we throw all of our wood on those three days. Well, the problem is there's 362 more days. Are y'all with me? And so as men, my encouragement is we have got to learn to encourage the strengths of our spouse. But the only way that you can do that is if you pay attention. Right? Right, women? You've got to pay attention to your spouse. You've got to study your spouse. You've got to see what she likes, what she doesn't like. How many men have gone to the mall with their spouse? Raise your hand. How many of you have sat in the middle as your wife shops? Raise your hand. Guilty. And so let me, let me just tell you, one of the quickest ways that you can learn what your wife likes is go shopping with her. Now, it might be the quickest way to divorce too, but if you're patient, you're going to see real quick what your wife likes and what she doesn't like. I, I've gotten to the point like this. My memory fails me so bad. One of the things that I'm starting to do is I actually have in my notes on my iPhone, I have a Lindsay note. And anytime she says, oh, I like that, I'm like, (laughs) it helps, guys. Birthdays is amazing. I don't even have to ask her anymore. I don't have to ask her what what does she want for Christmas because she told me all year long what she wanted for Christmas. Okay, but writing down, taking notes of the things that she likes. Uh, The other day we were home alone, which is a rarity in our house. And so I was like, you know what, I am going to woo and wow and I am going to make her breakfast. And so I made her an omelet, half-burnt omelet, and I made, she has a brand new French press coffee maker, and I was like, all right, I'm going to make coffee. And so I made coffee, filled it up, brought it to her in bed. I was like, this is major reward points right here. Brought it in bed, and she sipped the coffee and was like, this is terrible. Very watery. So he, I'll finish the story. He said, oh, let me try again. I'm like, no, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. He said, let me try again. I did try again. He did. So he came back up. How was it the it. second time? I had to put a lot of milk in it. <laughs> uh, it was like the opposite of watery. Then it was like, whoa, I don't think I need caffeine for a week now. Because <laughs> I said I put three scoops. And he's like, oh, I put three scoops. Like after it was grounded, uh, I used three scoops. He did three scoops before I had ground the coffee. So a little jolting, but he tried. I tried. He tried, and I drank. I drank it. A little, like, drank it. <laughs> drink your coffee, yeah, woman. Like, no. <laughs> yeah, I, and and so my my encouragement as men's is to we need to be, there. There's no one who should encourage our wives more than us. No one should encourage our wives more than us. We should always be looking for ways to bless and honor and and, uh, and do that. You, 
You got anything to say on that? Yes. As an example, um, with Josh's preaching, he can definitely be his toughest critic. And so I know that. I've, you know, we've talked through that. I've noticed that. So I want to be his biggest encourager and cheerleader and encourage him um, in things that he could possibly be insecure about. Um, so I guess as you get, I know as you get married, the things that you loved about him when you were, um, him or her when you were dating are so easy to see. You see all the... Uh, the good things really easily. And as life goes on and, and years happen and kids happen, it's harder to see those things. And so look for them, see them, speak those to him. Like I'm sure you sometimes think about it in your mind, but actually tell, tell your spouse, tell him anything good, but um, <laughs> think about those things that drew you to him in the first place and begin to say those things to your, to your spouse and become an expert on his strengths, not his weaknesses, because that is so easy to do. You can keep a running tally in your mind, and then you can kind of like spew it out when it's ready. But if he, because he will, will fail each other when they do fail. If you've thought about the good things about them, when a bad thing does come about, you're not just going to, you have been focusing on the strengths, not just the weaknesses, because it's very, we're human. It's very easy to, to point out, you know, ABC, yeah. everybody's weaknesses. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about number two. Uh, number two is carry burdens. So we're encouraging strengths. Encouraging strengths. Second thing is we're carrying burdens. I think the greatest enemy of keeping the fire burning in our marriage is, if we're honest, laziness and selfishness. Um, and instead of being a team where we're trying to help each other out and, and my strengths be for her weaknesses and her strengths be for my weaknesses, what we end up doing is we start adding burdens onto the other person. My burdens I add on to her. And, and, and so what we've got to learn to do as a married couple, if you want to continue to keep that, those logs on the fire, is you've got to learn to carry burdens. Carry your spouse's burdens. And you've always heard it said, don't keep score in a marriage, right? Like the... I changed 10, and it's as a wife, especially, I'm sure it's easier. Like, I changed 10 diapers, it's time for you to do one, you know, like things like that. Or I bathed the boys five times, it's, it's your turn to bathe boys, whatever. Uh, so don't keep score in that sense, but keep score um, in the things that they're doing right. Again, going back to what I said, those strengths, those things that they're doing right. Recount those to yourselves, not always the weaknesses, and they'll come back in a better way for you when things do go wrong. So Galatians 6, 2, let's, let's read what it says. Galatians 6, 2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And this is really, I mean, you know, when Lindsay does that for me, when I do that for her, I mean, this really is at its core, it's compassion. It's what it is. It's compassion. It's, I see your load. I, I, I see the load that you carry. And I, I'll say this as, as guys, one of the things is, is the temptation for us is that when we come home, we've been uh, you know, I've come home from work and I'm burdened from all the stuff that I've come home. And then I come home to her and she's been dealing with three burdens, you know? Well, no. Okay. They're blessings. Three blessings. We know they're a gift from the Lord. And so she's been dealing with three blessings all day, but for every stay at home mom in here, you know that that can be, yeah. get me out of here. Any guys walking home and the wife just looks at you and you're like, oh no. You're like, I, I should have turned around. Or you're like, kids, come here. Come here, come here, come here. <laughs> We're going to McDonald's, um, you know. And so one of the ways that, that, that I've got to engage in her is, you know, I come home and she's like, that one needs a spanking. That one wants time with their daddy. That one needs to go and wrestle. Like, I mean, I come home and I get like the, 
What do, what do I need to do, you know? And so I, I think for us as men, one of the things that we've got to learn to continually be proactive about is that we are initiating how to help our spouse. So we're coming home. So instead of coming home and just sitting on the couch and vegging out and doing all that, one of the things that I do is when I pull into my driveway, I usually sit in my car for like 15 minutes. Lindsay's like, I, I saw that you were in there for a while. I was like, yeah, I just need a little, just a moment just to get myself ready for whatever's about to come that my way. And, and, and that's my way of kind of decompressing before I walk in because as soon as I walk in, I've got to be engaged. So, so here's, here's the thing, guys. Maybe you can just walk in and go, who needs a spanking? You know, maybe you could just do that. Who needs it? All right, let's just go. You know, I mean, don't do that. But um, you got to be proactive about, about that. And, and it, it's, here's the illustration. Imagine, okay, if Lindsay and I were, were, were canoeing to another side, which we don't really canoe together. But if we were, let's say we were canoeing, you know, the way that a canoe works, if she tips left, I've got to tip right. Because if I tip left, we're going under. Are y'all with me here? And so what ends up happening is, is instead of carrying burdens, we add more burdens on. And so instead of tipping left, we add more on and we all go over. And how many of you know when you add more burdens, everybody's underwater? Because when mama's not happy, nobody's happy. And when dad's not happy, nobody's happy. It's not just mama. But we've got to learn that whenever she's going left and she's got a rough day, that I've got to go right and I've got to compensate for some of that. When I've had a rough day, that she's got to go left and she's got to compensate. So that way we can continue to stay on the same trajectory of where we're trying to go. And we've got to learn to carry those burdens with one another. Because the Bible says, when I'm weak, he's strong. Isn't that what Jesus does? He carries our burdens. And God's given us people and a spouse that can help us carry it. Now, here's the difference. Now, let me just say this real quick before we move on to the next one. Some of us don't mind our, our spouse carrying our burdens. That's called enabling and we're not talking about that. Because if you go and you read the rest of Galatians, it says that you should bear your own load, but that other people should help you carry burdens. So we're not talking about enabling your spouse, doing everything, because there's books out there that says the wife is to do everything and the man just goes and works and comes home and does nothing. And that is a lie. I'm just telling you that right now. Because the Bible says in Ephesians 5 that Christ lays down his life for the church. And the, he, and, the, and the husband is the head of the house just as Christ. So guess what? The Bible says that Jesus came to give his life as a ransom. He came not to serve, but to, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. So guess what we do as men? We serve. We find ways to serve. So that means when you've spent all of your energy working your job, you come home and you work your real job. Because my family is my real job. And my other job is just the one that happens to provide for us. And I'm going to tell you, men, your marriage will go to another level if you don't come home and veg out. Now, that's not to say you don't have bad days and you need to come home and there's times where you just need to, like, got a headache, I need to do that. Listen, that's all understandable. But if that's your day every day and your wife's doing everything, I, here's what you can ask your wife. Ask your wife this question. And wives, be honest with them. Is there a way that I can help? And wives, be honest. Don't, don't be superwoman if you don't have to be. Your husband's there to help. He wants to be a blessing to you. And, and so we've got to learn to help each other. Right? Yes. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. All right, so let's go to number three. So we encourage strengths. We carry burdens. What's another log that we can put on the fire? The next one would be, it's a big one, overlook offenses. 
Because in Proverbs 19, 11, it says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. So this verse, it doesn't say it's, it's a benefit to God to overlook an offense. It doesn't give God glory. I mean, it's not, a, it's not God's glory to overlook an offense. It says it is his glory to look over an offense. It's the person's own good. Mm-hmm. It's, a pers- it's to the person's benefit to overlook an offense. And so um, this would be a small change in your relationship that you can do that would have a really huge impact. Because how, you, how do many of you know an offense is easy to come up and easy to grow from and, and can um, cause a lot of damage? And um, every little thing that Josh, there's, you know, it'd be great to say there's nothing that he does that annoys me or bothers me about, but those little things that happen, if I can filter through the truth that he really does love me, those offenses won't come as easily. Mm. Okay, and so um, this, uh, most wives that I've talked to, this is like the great husband and wife debate. You don't have to raise your hand um, as y'all start talking. I'm sure you've been there. If not, like, come give me some advice because... We're, we've 12, we're almost 12 years in, so we've, we've come a long way, but this was one of the major things when we were first married and had uh, more with kids, because it was fine when I didn't have kids, but that wasn't very long. But uh, <laughs> let's see if you know what I'm talking about. The wife is cooking and cleaning and thinking about kids and changing diapers and doing spats and running around like a chicken with their head cut off, and the husband is sitting down. And so not noticing, maybe working, because a lot of times Josh will be on his computer working, and the wife is running around doing all kinds of things. And what is the wife thinking? I wish he would just notice and come help me. And the, wife, the husband is totally a... I what? wish he would just ask me, you need help. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, no, he should see. And he says, no, I just wish you would me. just ask. And, I, and it's like, no, if he loves me, he would see that I am going crazy. <laughs> and he obviously has not. So we went many early years round and round, and I would spew in my head and think what I would normally not just do. In, not just in your head. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I was going to admit. No, I was going to admit off, it. Ex- oh, you're going to admit that? <laughs> I was. I was going to okay. say, I'll say, oh, no, I'll just do it. I don't care. I'll just do it all. And then, like, I'm spewing and spewing, and then all of a sudden it's like, you know, like, can't you see? And it comes out wrongly and she's like, instead of. It's like a, a bull about to storm. The feet, the, the footsteps are a little, little more intense. Um, the doors are shut a little, little more harder. You know, there's a little intensity. And um, so after much going round and round uh, a year, for a few years, take the advice and just ask for his help. Like, just... Just, just don't. And it's kind of like the, um, the uh, white and gold dress, black and blue dress kind of thing. You just want them to see it your way. It's blue. It's black. No, it's, no, it's white, white. It's and gold. gold. Like what? Like how many of y'all got in an argument over that this weekend? We didn't. But uh, <laughs> I get just mad that like that. That's a big deal. Like why is this a big deal? Um, that's what gets me mad. So. Uh, it's going to be different. You're going to see it different. It's white or gold or it's black or blue. And just overlook that. And just whoever at the time needs to swallow some pride and just ask for help. 
and a phenomenon. <laughs> this is a side note that I'll never understand. I guess they learn really young because I have three boys. I will be doing 15 things, and if Josh is sitting down, they will come ask me for help. I've never understood that. I'm like, there is a person sitting right here doing nothing. Can you please ask him <laughs> to change a battery? You know, like, so maybe, maybe if I can train them young to notice, like, hey, if your wife is busy, just, you know, just ask for help. Maybe we could start. And it's not, and I tell her this all the time, and guys, you can vouch for this. It's not that I'm not trying not to think about her. It's just that I'm not thinking at all. <laughs> y'all, y'all remember the box? Y'all remember the boxes? Like, I'm in my, I'm in my like, no box. Like, I don't have a box. Like, I don't, I'm box. not allowed a box, so that's not very <laughs> fair. <laughs> I'll give you one of my boxes. It's all good. Go there. There you go. I got tons of boxes. All right. There's a bunch of them. So, and I, and I tell her that all the time. Listen, it's not that I don't love you. I, I, I do want to help. And that was the biggest thing that I've had to learn to work through is, hey, and how many you say this? And I'm, this will help for any relationship. You say this all the time. Hey, if you need anything, just ask. Let's, let's be honest in here. How many people have asked you? How many? Maybe a handful. Let, let me switch real quick a mindset for you that I think will bless and help every single person in here. Instead of asking, hey, if you need anything, just ask. Why don't you do this? How can I help? How can I help? Because that's a totally different question. Because now it's not, the, the onus isn't on them to have to come and find you. Now the onus is, I want to help. Just tell me what I can do to help. Are y'all with me? That's with anybody and anything. That's, just, that's not just in marriage, but I'm telling you, that's going to help somebody. Stop asking, hey, if you need something, ask, because they're not going to ask. They're not. Instead, if you see somebody that's struggling or suffering or walking through something, go, hey, how can I help? How can I be a blessing? You see your wife going through, how can I help? So that's what I'm saying. I come home now, and I'm like, who can I spank? Okay, just tell me. I mean, I'm written. I don't, I don't do it, but we do believe in spanking. Um, and for those of you that don't, we know. And so <clears throat> we can tell. I spank my kids. It's biblical. All right. <clears throat> Song of Solomon's chapter 2. Let's look at this. Song of Solomon's chapter 2, verse 15. We read this a couple of weeks ago. It says, catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that don't spoil the vineyards, for, your, for our vineyards are in blossom. See, some of the big issues in your life right now are big because you didn't deal with them when they were small. I'll say that again. Some of the big issues that you're dealing with in your marriage and in your life right now are big because you didn't deal with them when they were small. And there were warning signs of it when it was small, and you decided, well, you know, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. And guess what? It's a big deal now. It's a big deal. It's, there's a, um, <laughs> there's a, a story of a mom who was making pancakes for her two sons, and uh, she's making the pancakes, and the boys are there watching her make the pancakes. And the boys start fighting over who's going to get the first pancake. I'm going to get the first pancake. I'm get the first... And this happens in our house all the time. I'm going to get the first pancake. And so the mom thought, you know what? This is going to be a great teachable moment. I'm going to teach the boys on what Jesus does in these moments. So they said, boys, listen. If Jesus was here, he would give his first pancake to his brother. That's what he would do. So the older brother looked at his younger brother and said, you be Jesus. <laughs> Josiah would do that. Oh, I know he would. Definitely. You be Jesus. <laughs> but here's the question. Is that not what happens in marriage? 
Don't we expect when we have an offense and there's conflict that the other person to be Jesus? You be Jesus. I'm not going to apologize. You apologize. I'm not going to ask forgiveness. You ask forgiveness. Y'all with me? You be Jesus. And Jesus is saying, no, you be Jesus. If you have a, a spouse that's far from the Lord, you be Jesus. If you got conflict in your marriage, you be Jesus. We'll talk about this in a minute, what, that, what this actually looks like. But this is where relationships, go, I think, go really wrong, is when we focus on what the other person is doing or not doing, and we stop focusing on what we should be doing. Go listen to Pastor Bubba's message last week. Asking God to change them and not asking God to change us. You be Jesus. We need to learn to be Jesus. We've got to stop focusing on God changing them, but asking God, God, would you change us? And I think the way that you can overlook offenses is to realize that you blow it just as much as they do. We're so quickly to give out judgment to other people that we don't want that same judgment given back to us. Are y'all with me? So we need to learn, if we want to, if we want to put logs on the fire, and this is a big one, we've got to learn to overlook offenses. My wife really does love me. She cares for me. She doesn't mean that. Amen. Amen. Uh, a thing that happens in our house pretty much daily, I won't name the child's name, but there's this one child who likes to follow the rules and likes the rules to be followed, and we have one that doesn't love following rules, and so it, like, drives this, I was about to say his name, drives this, <laughs> I was going to give a rank, drives him crazy, and he, um, I think he'll be great one day, but he likes to be the boss, and he likes to tell other ones what they should be doing, so either... Not sometimes when I'm in the room, but most of the time I can hear. Um, so and so, you should be doing your work. Why are you not doing your work? Well, guess what? By him taking the time to tell somebody else what they should and shouldn't be doing, he's not doing his schoolwork. So he's not doing what I told them both to do. Y'all do y'all schoolwork. And I, I, I say, this is something I say almost daily mm-hmm. you're not the dad. Let me be, um, you're not the mom. Let me be the mom. And so um, <laughs> I think, especially as wives, um, what we can easily uh, defer to is seeing what our husband needs to be doing. And um, not that there aren't those times or you need to have some conversations, honest um, and good conversations, but um, it's easy to start nagging. And you might not even notice you're doing it, but um, you can. And just like as my child who likes to be God to uh, the other ones and let them know what they should be doing. God can sometimes look down on us and say, could you let me do my job, please? Like, could you please Mm -hmm. step out of the way? I can speak to his heart in a way that you cannot, so Mm -hmm. let me do my job. And that's tough um, because as a wife, I think that's something, a sin that we're prone to. But just to um, ask God to help you with that if if that's something you're struggling with because God wants his job back. He wants to be able to to do what only he can do because God can whisper one thing in your husband's ear that you've been nagging about for months, if not years. So let God be God in that. And that can be um, a struggle, but ask him to help you if you're struggling with that. So true. So true. Let's, Let's talk about the next one, which is pursue intimacy. So we got encouraging strengths. Carrying burdens, overlooking offenses. We're coming to the final stretch. Pursue intimacy. You want to talk about that one? <clears throat> yes. Uh, there will come a day, if it's, you're not there now, that every last ounce of yourself will be spent on your children. Like, I literally fall in bed and, like, I'm, I'm done. I'm spent. 
pretty much daily. Because <laughs> um, my kids tell me when I'm going to wake up, when I'm going to eat, when I'm going to take a shower, when I'm going to sleep. Because we still have uh, kids that can wake up at night. And um, a lot of times uh, Josh can call home to check in about something or to talk about something. And I'm mostly just... Um, <laughs> It's saying kids' names, or uh, if I'm on, or if I'm on the phone. So the husband calls to check in for the day, and he's hearing you just talk to your kids the whole time. Or if I'm on some type of medical phone call, sometimes I'm literally prying Joel off of Judah, you know, uh, while I'm on a phone call. That's why I've gotten where I don't love phone calls because all I do is have to correct 15 times. And so um, that daily grind can be so exhausting. And like I said, at the end of the day, I'm really done. But I really have to remember um, that before I was a mom, I was Josh's wife. And before Josh was a dad, he was, um, he's my husband. And we have to, even though um, we're exhausted or um, spent, to remember that he was, my, our first, he was my first commitment and I was him. And to put that time and that work in. And I can't put it all on the kids and completely neglect him all the time. And there are seasons where, like you said, we have to carry each other's burdens. But if that's been the norm, if we're not pursuing intimacy, um, it's not going to, the, the fire's going to go out. And it's going to be harder to put it out, put it back once it's completely gone out. And yeah. so um, to continue to remember that I was um, his wife first. And we... We get so we so easily forget what the things that attracted to us when we were first dating him, them. And um, just as a question, how long has it been since your heart leapt when your husband or your or your husband has walked into the room? So bring yourself back to what you loved about him before all the the life things started happening, and to continue to focus on those things. Let's read Song of Solomon, uh, chapter seven, verse eleven. It says, "Come, my beloved, let us go into the fields and lodge in the villages. Let us go out early to the vineyards and see whether the vines have budded, whether the grape blossoms have opened, and the pomegranates are in bloom. There, I will give you my love. The mandrakes give forth fragrance, and besides our doors are all choice fruits, new as well as old, which I have laid up for you, O oh, my beloved." So here's modern day translation. This is the, this is the queen. Uh, encouraging the king, hey, let's, let's, this is what she says. This is modern day. Hey, I got a hotel for us, and it's going to be good. Let's go. That's, that's Pastor Josh's translation, but that's what it is. She said, come away. Let's, let's get away, and we're going to eat well, and you're going to eat well. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a great time together. And so you see this idea here that they get away. And, and one of the things about creating and pursuing intimacy is this idea of learning to get away. Now, listen, if you can afford it in vacations, you can pay for them, go on them. I encourage you, go on them. You need to go on vacations and pursue, you know, your wife. And that's a way for intimacy to be created and to be fostered. But uh, another thing is, um, is just date nights. You know, for Lindsay and I, we have, you know, Joel who's, who, um, you know, can't be with everybody. He's not a slew of babysitters for us. And so um, for Lindsay and I, we have to get very creative on how we can get away. Sometimes it's actually just waking up before the kids do. That's a form of getting away for us. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, when we put the kids to bed and we got that two-hour or three-hour span after we put the kids to bed just to talk and, and, and spend that time together because um, not every week do we get to just go to Lafayette or go out to eat and do all those kind of things. So we have to get creative about that. But let me, let me just throw this out there. If you go, well, I haven't been on a date with my wife in five years. Shame on you. Shame on you. 
Husbands, you need to pursue your wife, date your wife, take her out. Because let me say this, a babysitter is a lot cheaper than an attorney. <laughs> Boom, tweet that one. <laughs> I'm just saying. Listen, if you wonder why intimacy in your marriage is not where it is and why your wife's maybe not giving to you what you so desire, here's the question. Are you giving her what she desires? Um, see, most marriages are in one of three categories. Back to back, side to side, face to face. A back to back marriage, this is what a back to back marriage looks like. He does his thing, you do your thing. The only thing that you share is a home and a bed. But for the most part, you do your own things. He's got his job, his set of friends. You got your job, your set of friends, or your life, and you do your own things. And pretty much the only thing that binds you together is a wedding ring and bills. And that's a back-to-back marriage. Then there's the side-by-side marriage, which I think most of us probably in here are, we go through seasons of this, where everything of your life with, with you and your spouse is about giving your life to everything else. But you do it together. So your kids are all involved in sports, so you're, you're constantly going everywhere, you, your wife's bringing to practice, you're doing practice, you're, you're, you know, everything is you're just doing stuff, but you're doing stuff. Maybe it's in ministry. I mean, we're, we serve together, we counsel people together, we're doing all these things together, everything is side by side, we're, we're taking care of our kids together, but how many know you can be doing that and still be almost strangers? You've been doing that for years, man, just giving everything to the kids, everything to the kids, everything to the kids, and so you look up one day and you're like, I don't even know you. But we've been so busy doing stuff together for other people or for our family that we don't know each other. But the greatest relationship that we desire for everybody to have, that God desires for you to have, and this is where you pursue intimacy, is face-to-face. Not back-to-back or side-by-side, but face-to-face, which means that you intentionally create times in your schedule where you and your wife can sit face-to-face and you can engage her heart and she can engage yours. Lindsay and I do this probably every couple of months. We do what I like to call a state of the marriage date. I've actually, a lot of the young married couples that I've been counseling lately, I've been encouraging them to go on these, especially when they go through conflicting times. I say, you need to go do a state of the marriage date. State of the marriage date. Everybody knows what the state of the union address is that the president does at the beginning of the year. He stands up and says, this is where we are. This is where we're going. This is, y'all know what I'm talking about. So I do this in our marriage. We'll go out. We'll go sit down at dinner, and I'll, use, I'll, I'll, I'll sit down with her, and, and I, I put the questions actually on your, on your notes, so that way you can have your own state of the marriage address. And I sit across from her, and we put, all, put our phones down, and we actually look at each other in the eye, and I say, how's your soul? How's your soul? You tired? You doing good? You encouraged? You hurting? And she shares, and then she usually looks at me, and we, we ask each other these questions. Um, what am I doing well? Encourage me first. <laughs> what am I doing good? And then what do I need to get better at? And here's the deal for us as men. Listen, guys, you need to ask that in all humility, and you need to shut up. You don't defend yourself. Because your wife may tell you something that you don't like, especially when you ask, what do I need to get better at? But this is your opportunity to learn and to grow, and you, you receive it with humility. And, and Lindsay, in, in, in these state of the marriage dates, they've been 
pretty hard on me at times. I don't feel like you're ever at home. I don't feel like you give me attention. I don't feel like our boys know you. I don't feel like, and some of that's hard. That's a hard thing to swallow. But in those moments are opportunities for God to do something in my own heart and for us to realign where we need to be. And then the last question is, so how can I help? Remember, this question seems to be going through all of these. How can I help? How can I help? How can I help? And so that is, that is one of those type of dates that we have. Lindsay and I, last night, yes, yesterday, we went at it. I'll, I'll, this is the, this is, you're getting an inside look into your pastor's lives. We went at it. Friday night, we went at it. Woke up Saturday morning, and we're like, we got to deal with this. We went at it. And then yesterday, finally it came to a head where we confessed and repented and owned our own sin. A lot of it was because of unmet expectations like Pastor Bubba talked about. Some of it was because of selfishness, which he also talked about. Confession, repentance, forgiveness. Confession, repentance, forgiveness. Confession, repentance, forgiveness. If you're married, you're going to do that every day, all day, all the time. And when you stop confessing, repenting, and forgiving, your marriage is going to go to a bad place. I'm telling you how to put logs on your fire. Confession, repentance, and forgiveness. And I'm always, we always got to be looking face-to-face because we want to pursue intimacy. And listen, there's times where we're tired. There's times where we're doing a lot of stuff, especially with Joel, and we just go through seasons where it's just rough. We got to press a timeout. We got to look at each other and go, how am I doing? How are you doing? What can I do to help? What can I? Are you all with me? I know we're quiet, but hopefully this is hitting home with some people. We need to learn to pursue intimacy. And then let me wrap all this up with this. Consider Jesus. You want to put a log on the fire? Consider Jesus. The word love, at the end of Song of Solomon, he talks about, talks about this love that he has for his queen. And it's this word ahava. It's, and the word ahava is a, is a Hebrew word that literally means I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. Now, let me speak right now to those in here that your marriage is on the rocks. Ahava is the commitment that you and I make when we stand on the stage and we look at our wife and before people and before God and before our wife, we say, I do. In sickness and health, for richer, for poorer, for better or worse, I do. That's not a contract, even though you do sign a wedding contract. That is a covenant. And a covenant is this. I'm not going anywhere. I'm in this. Good or bad, I'm in it. I'm with you. All the way. We're going to work through this thing. What would it be like if our marriages, we knew that the other person made a commitment to God and to you that I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to fight. And let me say this about covenant. Covenant is not always convenient. Covenant is hard. Lindsay and I actually made a, a marriage, we, made a, we actually got a covenant license. In the state of Louisiana, you can actually get a covenant license, which means the only way that we can get out of our marriage is if it's proven of infidelity or abuse. We made it even harder for us to get a divorce. And the reason that you and I are here today, and this is why I say we got to consider Jesus, the reason that you and I are here today is because God made a covenant with you. Do you know that? Do you know God didn't say, well, when it's going bad, I'm out. God says, good or bad, I'm in. I'm sticking with you. Jesus pursues you. Jesus forgives you. Jesus confronts you. Jesus comes after you. Jesus loves you. 
So we consider Jesus, and think about it, every relationship that's ever started in your life started because someone was pursuing. Intimacy is created when someone pursues. And regardless of the state of your marriage, I am encouraging you to consider Jesus and keep pursuing. Keep pursuing, keep pursuing, keep pursuing, keep pursuing. Because if you're in a place right now where that fire is literally almost out, maybe it's out all the way, and you're on the place where our marriage is done, God can still breathe in that. And God can still begin to create a new fire. For those of you where the fire is dwindling down, I encourage you to go look, through, go look through these again and see what areas of these are you doing and not doing. Is there overlooking offenses? Are you pursuing intimacy? Are you encouraging strengths? If you're not, there's grace there, and God gives grace for you to begin to do these things. I'm sharing, we're sharing these things from areas where we have failed miserably. But yet we continually come back to this place when Lindsay and I are in this place where we're fighting or there's disagreements or whatever it is. I have to come back to this place. Oftentimes it's I'm in my own room or I'm somewhere else and I've got to consider Jesus. Jesus keeps pursuing me. Jesus keeps forgiving me. Jesus keeps loving me. So that I need to go do that with my wife. And, and here's the great thing, is when I allow God to be God and speak to my wife, he already tells her that. And then God deals with her about her part, and God deals with me about my part. And so now I don't have to worry about changing her, because God's doing something in me. And I believe today that God wants to restore marriages. I believe he wants to rekindle a fire in some of you, maybe where it's dwindled down. And I'm going to tell you where this starts. Men, it starts with us taking the lead. We take that lead. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe you need to confess. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness. But I would encourage you over the course of this next week to have a state of the marriage. Sit down with your wife. Maybe it's at bedtime. Maybe you go take her out on a date, whatever it is. But I would encourage you to go and, and say, how are you? What can I do to help? Where am I not doing well? And in that, I believe God's going to have grace there. And, and, and let me even say this, and this is wrapping it all up. It's don't be too prideful to ask for help. In the past two weeks, I've counseled 10 couples through this series, all marriage related. And I've been encouraged, one, because people are finally going, this is where we are. And guess what? The Bible says that God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. And so if your marriage is struggling, say it. Don't fake it. Say it. I'm struggling. We're hurting. We have divorce papers. This is going on. Because the Bible says, yet again, that God gives grace there. And I believe that God can restore that and make it all new. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we